Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Today we are continuing our series, Learning to Listen. And uh, I'll launch straight in. Um, We read these words in Acts 2 and 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And friends, every generation since Jesus lived on the earth uh, has believed that they are living in the end times. But one generation's got to get it right. Amen. Uh, But still God pours out his spirit. God will always pour his spirit out. And we need to be a men and women who are God's voice. And I've been saying we, we don't get freaked out by the word prophesy. It simply means to speak on behalf of God. And the the premise of this series is the fact that we cannot speak for God if we're not hearing from God. And so this is all about how do we actually position ourselves to hear from God? And there's some really obvious keys that we've been unpacking. But I I really believe that in the day and age in which we live, we need the next generation. Yes, the next generation of worshippers. We need the next generation of prophets. We need the next generation of, of, of pastor and of evangelist. And uh, we need people who boldly speak for God to their generation. Uh, but that's not a passive position. We've got to be actively seeking the ways in which we are going to hear from God. Last week we looked at, uh, in part, the story of Samuel, the last of the nation of Israel's judges. And it's interesting because God spoke speaks to a 12-year-old boy. And uh, we looked at what it was in Samuel's life that made him receptive to the voice of God. And Eli, the old priest, encouraged him when he was hearing the voice of God to pray a simple prayer, which has become our, our homework each week through this series, to pray that prayer, God speak, your servant is listening. And I suggested to us that that's not just one prayer that we pray. I think it's more of a position of heart that says every day I'm just going to wake up and say, God, speak to me today. Your servant is listening. And that we, we, we create this receptivity to God, an expectation that God wants to speak to us and through us. Today I want to unpack a little bit of a, an interesting story uh, from the book of Habakkuk, one of the Old Testament prophets. He's called one of the minor prophets, but... Uh, Uh, Here is Habakkuk living in a time where he sees the faithlessness of God's people. He sees the rebellion of God's people. And he's praying to God, crying out to God and sort of saying, Hey God, you see all this going on. Why don't you just do something? And he's wrestling with God. And I want to unpack this a little bit today. Because Habakkuk's complaint against God is kind of like God seems totally unconcerned with what's going on. Habakkuk 1 and 2, and in my Bible it's got a heading which is Habakkuk's complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? 
Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So Habakkuk makes this complaint to God. And then when God does respond to him, I I think it probably makes Habakkuk even more agitated. The Lord's answer, verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are, fear, they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, sweeping to devour. They come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. That was not the answer that Habakkuk was looking for. God says to Habakkuk, I am going to use what you perceive to be your greatest enemy, this reviled nation, this godless nation. I'm actually going to use that people, that nation as a tool for my righteous purposes. I'm going to use them as a tool for my righteous judgment. And for Habakkuk, this just doesn't make sense. This seems totally inconsistent with who God is. But good on him because he didn't give up on God at that point. And he complains to God a second time. But this time, the prayer is probably a little bit more objective. Verse 12, Habakkuk's second complaint. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like fish in the sea, like the sea creatures who have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choices of food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Friends, I've said this before. It's okay to wrestle with God. And there's no question Habakkuk right here is totally wrestling with God. 
And there is a really important question that we must ask ourselves in that wrestle. And that's this. Will I trust God when I don't understand what God is doing? Because it would seem absolutely inconceivable that God would use the greatest enemy, Babylon, as an instrument of righteous judgment. And here's a lesson, guys, we've got to get a hold of. We, we simply don't understand God well enough if we think that every time something bad happens, God's not possibly in that. We don't understand God well enough if we refuse to believe that God can use the negative stuff in our lives. Again, we look at Job in his anguish, the worst day of his life. His wife basically says, Job, just curse God and die. She could not see God in Job's pain and suffering. Job 2 and 9, his wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin by what he said. And, and I want to encourage you, friends, when we are learning to hear the voice of God, we need to understand the voice of God for what it is. We love it when God says all the positive stuff. We love it when God brings blessing. But we've got to clearly learn to discern the voice of God. Proverbs 3 and 11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. John 15 and 2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Let me say this this morning. An attack of the enemy and God pruning those he loves sometimes looks really similar. Which is why we need to be leaning into God, learning to hear the voice of God so we can discern which one it is. Does that make sense? In Romans 8 and 28, the Apostle Paul writes this, which is one of the most misquoted verses in all of Scripture. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. I say misquoted because it's often misquoted in the context of God just wants to bless you with good stuff and bless you with good stuff and bless you with good stuff. No, in all things, God works. In all things, God works to bring about good. And it's tied to the following verses, which talk anything about the good stuff, anything but the good stuff. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, or any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God 
that is in Christ Jesus. And friends, it's only as we develop this intimacy with God, it is only as we draw close to God, it is only as we learn to hear the voice of God and how He uniquely speaks to us that we will have the discernment to know that, hey, God is pruning right now. It might hurt. I'm going through a season. I don't necessarily understand it, but I'm not going to rebuke it and pray it away because I know God is doing something. And again, the attack of the, the devil and the pruning of God can sometimes look very similar if we can't discern which one it is. I used to pray a prayer early on in my pastoral journey when this church was very young and you know, you're contending with so much and it was a, this massive learning curve, growth curve. And uh, things would happen. And uh, I used to pray a really dangerous prayer that went like this. Well, God, if this is a meaningless distraction and an attack from the devil, please take it away. But if this is a lesson that's going to grow me up and make me a better leader, bring it on. I can't remember a time praying that prayer when God did the first thing. It was always the second. So now I don't even bother praying the first. I just go, okay, God, what are you showing me? How am I growing? How am I learning in the pain of whatever it is that I'm facing right now? And I will say that the greatest growth times in my life, in retrospect, have been the times when I've been praying fervently for God just to take this thing away. Uh, and in, in, in hindsight, you look back and you go, God, I'm so thankful that you held me and allowed me to go through that because that was one of the most defining moments in my faith journey. And so again, we've got to learn to discern what it is. We've got to trust God completely, no matter what the season looks like. And I, I think here in the midst of Habakkuk's confusion, in the midst of his questioning, he does have a revelation. The revelation is this. I'm just going to wait upon God and I'm going to trust him in the middle of this. And Habakkuk learns to wait upon God even when he doesn't understand what God is doing. In chapter 2 and 1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So Habakkuk says, I'm going to wait for the answer. And from this particular passage of Scripture, I think there's some great keys here that we can learn about hearing the voice of God. The first thing he says is, I'm going to stand at the watch. And this is kind of military language. And Habakkuk saying, I see myself as a watchman. I'm standing on the high point, the rampart. And I'm, I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm observing, I have an awareness of what's going on. And friends, to receive from God, you've got to be looking for God. We need to be observant. There is very little about our Christian faith that is passive. We don't just sit around and say, well, God, I'm just going to wait upon you. Just, yeah, and you'll do whatever you want to do and, and, you know, whatever. And we take a passive stance. There is very little in faith. There is very little about our faith journey that is passive. We won't grow if we are not active. And this stance that Habakkuk takes is 
an active stance. It says, I'm not going to sit around and wait. It says, I'm going to stand at my watch. There's a great quote that says, Every great move of God is precipitated by an act of obedience. Luke 11 and 9. I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. It's all activity. It's all, it, it, it's all I'm taking the initiative here. I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to knock. They all take effort. And so does standing at the watch. Now also notice the framework there. He says, I will stand. And there is a determination in this statement. It's this active standing. I'm listening for what God has to say. And friends, we've got to be eager to hear from God. There are times where it takes effort to hear from God. There are times it takes effort to, to just listen and to find that place of stopping and waiting in the presence of God. As we've been saying, there's so many competing distractions in the world that we live in today. So many things that, that demand our greater attention. Uh, there's a great story, and you may have heard this, it's fairly familiar. But Susanna Wesley, uh, the mother of Charles Wesley, and who was the other one? Is it John? So, yeah, I think. Uh, anyway, she had 18 children and yet she was a fervent prayer. Now, where does a mother in those days of 18 children go to pray? And what she would do is just simply flip her apron up over her head. And her children knew that you don't bother mum when she's in her apron. And, and that's what she would do to find that place and find that solace to wait upon God and hear from God. The second thing he does, and again, to borrow this military terminology, he stations himself on the ramparts, on the lookout tower. And, and, and it speaks of, of perseverance. Like, I'm not just going to try it once and, and hope that there's some magic that comes out of that. But it's this habitual thing. It's this developing a healthy life pattern that allows God to speak to me. And it speaks of, of waiting until the answer comes, waiting until the answer is given. And it speaks of looking and looking and looking and keep on looking until the answer comes. And that verse that's on the screen, I want to read it again, but this time from the Amplified Bible because I love the rendering here. So I say to you, Ask and keep on asking and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be opened to you. And in the frantic world in which we live, uh, words like perseverance and waiting are increasingly countercultural. And yet in God's word, we find them mentioned time and time and time and time and time again. Psalm 46 and 10, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62 and find, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. 
And I love how the message puts it. God, the one and only. I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I hope for comes from him. So why not? And again, the reason some of us simply don't hear from God is because we're too busy. And it's hard for us to station ourselves, to borrow that language. Hard to station ourselves and get quiet. Again, Psalm 46 and 10, be still and know that I am God. And again, I love how the message renders this. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Uh, There's a quote, and I couldn't find the reference when I was preparing this, but it's a, a quote that I remembered from years ago that simply says, hurry is the death of prayer. And it's so true. And if we want to hear from God, we've got to become quiet. We've got to, be, we've got to find that apron space, that still space where there's no other distractions. And then when we do come into that place, we can physically stop. But we've also got to find a place and exercise the discipline where we switch our minds off as well. Not switching our minds off to God, but switching our minds off all of the things that still grab our attention. And it's one of the difficult disciplines when we're uh, creating uh, a healthy habit of quiet time that, uh, you know, you can be sitting there with an open Bible just waiting upon God and suddenly you're thinking about the next thing that you have to do. And so it's a discipline that comes with time. It's a discipline that will be refined over time because we've got to slow our minds down so they're not racing because our minds are just in this pattern of constantly racing and again devices have just uh, shortened our, our, our attention span because we're constantly bombarded with new messages all the time so we've got to learn to focus focus on the one who is talking to us focus on who it is that's listening to us focus on who it is that wants to speak to us in the unique way in which God does speak to us And just be still and know that God is God. That's one of the greatest disciplines. And I I love finding that space just to breathe and say, God, you are. And then another key to receptivity that we read from uh, Habakkuk's example here. And it's the word watch. And it's really interesting in context. He says, I'm going to watch for what God has to say. Now, you would think you'd say, I want to listen for what God has to say. But again, this is a theme that we see in Scripture because not only does he want our ears to be open, but he wants the eyes of our heart and our spirit to be open as well. Why is that? Ephesians 1 and 8, Paul says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And again, God wants our ears to be open, but he wants our eyes to watch and to see. Romans 1 and 20. Since for the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Isn't that interesting? The things that aren't seen are clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse and again and I I labor this point but we live in one of the most remarkable places of anywhere on the planet to observe 
the creative handiwork of God. How good have the sunsets been that we've had over the last couple of weeks? They've been amazing. And it is just the palette of God. It's the canvas, the tapestry of God. And I love it. But not only do we see it in creation, we also see it in what God is doing in the lives of others. And that's why it's great when Annie can come up here and share of what God is doing in the life of her grandson. And we've all got those stories and we inspire each other in faith through the stories of what God is doing in our lives. And in that way, we again learn to hear and we learn to see what God is doing. And this is one of the wonderful things about being in fellowship. Because there are seasons in life. There are challenges and struggles in life that can be so deep and so painful and so debilitating that it removes any possibility in that moment of actually meaningfully connecting with God. The pain is so deep, I can't hear from God. The pain is so debilitating, I can't even focus to pray. And it might be physical pain, it might be emotional pain, it might be relational pain. And one of the beautiful things about being in fellowship is that when I can't, others can. When I can't seek God, others seek God on my behalf. When I can't pray for myself, others can pray and lift us up in the pains and struggles of life. And we're okay with that, aren't we? It's one of the beautiful things about fellowship. And as we learn to walk that journey together and trust one another, sometimes on that journey of faith, God will have a word for us through somebody else. And that's one of the ways that God speaks to us. And fellowship is a beautiful place where we see God moving. And when we see God moving, it's a way that God speaks to us. We hear the voice of God. But as well, one of the great things that we know we have to lean on is God's Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The Holy Spirit who abides with us no matter what life looks like. And you've got to know the Holy Spirit never abandons you. He never gives up on you. He never bails out. Romans 8 and 26, Paul says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. This is God identifying with those moments where it's got, God, I got nothing. I got nothing. It's okay to be in that place. But it's also important to know that when we're in that place, we still have resources. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's beautiful. That's hope right there. And I love how the message puts it. I keep referring to the message today. I have no idea why, but anyway. But I love this. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us out. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us 
making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked out into something good. How powerful is that? And I think the reason I use that translation this morning is because somebody needed to hear those words. You need to know that God is with you even when you've got nothing to say. And when you don't have the words to pray, the Holy Spirit says, it's okay, I got this. Friends, wherever you are at, God will meet you. God is longing to speak into your life and into your circumstances. But we've really got to be actively pursuing Him. And maybe you're in a season where you are wrestling with God as Habakkuk was. But in the midst of that, Habakkuk didn't bail out and say, well, I haven't got the answer, so I'm walking away. This just doesn't seem to make sense. Habakkuk says, no, you know what? I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that I'm hearing truly the voice of God. I'm going to do everything that I can to wait upon God, to see what God is doing, to position myself so that God would speak. And then part of God's answer to Habakkuk came in Habakkuk 2 and 3. For the revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And friends, I encourage you, let us be people actively waiting for God, actively looking for what God is doing, allowing God to speak to us through His Word, through those times when we sit in the stillness, through others and through the Holy Spirit in us. And again, God is giving us all of these mechanisms where He will speak. But the question is, are we listening? And... Uh, We'll pray and then pick this up again in a few weeks' time once we come back with tans from Queensland. Sorry, sorry. Hey, God, we just thank you so much, Lord God, for your word to us. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the way that you have created us, each one so uniquely. And that means the way that you speak to us is also very unique. And for each one of us, you do speak differently. And I pray, God, that we would learn how it is that you speak. That we would be actively seeking to listen, to create space to listen. I thank you, God, that the way you speak to us sometimes comes through others. And that's why we need to be in fellowship. Certainly comes through your word. But I also thank you for that beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit just interceding on our behalf in those moments where we just say, God, i got nothing. And I thank you that you know those struggles and those seasons of pain. But I also thank you as we learn that sometimes what we perceive to be the enemy is not necessarily the enemy. It could well be a loving father just doing some pruning and disciplining so that you will continue to shape us, to remove 
even perhaps some of those obstacles in our life that are preventing us from experiencing the richness that you want us to know in you to be hearing your voice. So give us the wisdom and discernment to know the difference. And may we not resent the pruning. May we not resent the disciplining. But recognize that's the part of the way that you shape us. That we can see you in that and hear you in that. But Father, may we be a people just to finish where we began. A generation in the last days that you speak to and you speak through. That we would be a voice, your voice, God's voice, speaking to our generation. So grow this word in us, Lord, for your glory and for our benefit, I pray in Jesus' wonderful name.